podcast for the death of Stalin. My name is Tom Chick. I am here with Christian Mermovsky. I'm made mostly of hair. <laughs> with a death of Stalin tagline, Kelly Wand. Huh. Wow, he's been <laughs> silenced by the committee. <laughs> Maybe he's on the list. Hey, what? Did we use the correct list, Dingus? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Kelly so Wand, do, you, do we want to try that again? Yeah. All right, Tom, I want you to do a tagline, but I want Kelly to hear you do it first. <laughs> and with a death of Stalin tagline, Tom Chick. And I thought in the loop was grim. <laughs> <laughs> no, that yeah. makes me feel better when you hate mine all the time. How'd I, yeah, how'd I do, Kelly Wand? Mm, well, you see the problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... So what taglines do you have for us? Let's look, I'll leave it to the professionals. I didn't know Trump's kids were Russian. <laughs> See? That's how you wow. do it, Kelly Wong. See? Real really? good, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was going to bomb. Well, that's I know, strong opening. I imagine the other ones are much better then. What else do you got? In Russia, Bushimi bald, Tambor have hair. Hmm. Oh, mm. my. Yeah. Hmm. Really? I never know now. I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> oh no, Our Kelly. Man's about a pedophile. What? Well, you you made it sound like you yeah you made it sound like uh like Russia is a caveman. I don't know if you were trying to do that in Russia. Blank blank you. Like I presume that's what you were riffing on, but you made it sound like uh, Russians talk like cavemen. Oh, the voice ruined it. No, the whole. Get, let's hear it again. In Russia, Bushimi bald. But Tambor have hair. Yeah, he sounds like Ringo Starr. <laughs> oh, God, I'm scared of the opsis now. Well, okay, here's the last tagline. And yes. This one I wrote just to, see, just to hear what you had to say about it <laughs> as a quality tagline. All right. <clears throat> it's like a quiet place, except without monsters, and there's lots of talking, and it's set in Russia and covers a briefer period of time. <laughs> see kelly one you're playing to your audience nicely done am i well done. sure yeah. me and dingus yeah that's a good one for the poster yeah uh all right well, don't, uh, yeah. don't 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 spoil anything i don't want you to say oh, by the way I, I presume everyone has figured this out by now this was supposed to be a podcast for uh ghost stories but it was only playing in German in Germany. And while we're happy to make Kelly Wand watch things like. Uh, and I'm happy to do it. Yeah, what, what you've seen, some movies are fine for you to watch in San German. San Andreas. Um, Red Sparrow. Uh, the Triple X movie. Yeah. But this, this apparently, this horror Perfect. anthology, we, you know, so, so we called an audible, which is a sports term in case you're not aware of that. <laughs> and we decided to do uh, this podcast instead on Death of Stalin. Uh, so here we are, not talking about Ghost Story. Dingus? It is literally an audible, though, because it's a podcast. So good work. Yeah, thank you very good. Uh, they Dingus? should change the one. Okay, what? what is this movie now? All right, this week we saw The Death of Stalin, a 2018 UK-US political satire comedy movie about how the head is the heaviest part. It was directed by Armando Iannucci, and written by him with David Schneider, mm. Ian okay. Martin, yeah. 
with additional material by Peter Fellows, all based on the comic book uh. La Mort de Staline by Fabien Nori and Terry Robin. Ew, a huh. French comic book? It's even worse. Yeah, <laughs> and actually Fabien Nori is given the screenplay credit, although there's there's the, all those other writing credits. I don't know how they parse that, but anyway, yeah, it is it is a French comic book called Le Mort de Staline by Fabien Nori and Terry Robin. That's interesting. Because you'd think they wouldn't even need the comic book. You think so. Source material. But it is interesting when you uh, there are certain things in the movie that make that that connection interesting to me. Anyway, it stars uh, Steve Buscemi, Olga Kirilenko. Oh, oh God. Patty Considine. Oh. Andrea Riceborough. <laughs> Getting the band back together. Uh, uh, Adrian McLaughlin, Michael Palin, and Jason Isaacs. The, de- the Death of Stalin is rated R what? for language throughout, uh-huh. violence, uh-huh. and some sexual references. Yeah, but there's no nudity, so it probably should be rated G, right, Kelly Wand? What what else should they warn parents about? I would warn parents only six-year-old girls should be permitted to view this film. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, what just happened? <laughs> Kelly Wand! Tell that to Clooney, by the way. Yeah, see? Like, no, he's just carrying conversation. Okay. Yeah, Kelly Wand, no one knows what you're talking about. Uh, I don't so, care. Kelly Wand, you're the barrier of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's so that's well why his name's that. That's uh, on Metacritic, Death of Stalin is at 88, which is the average rating from various reviews. On Rotten Tomatoes, 96% of the reviews are positive. Good going, Death of Stalin. Uh, on, cinema, on Cinema Score, it didn't have a wide enough theatrical release to get a Cinema Score rating, but I predict that idiots would have given it a B minus. <laughs> yeah, mm. I agree. That's good. So Kelly Wand. Uh, I, I don't envy you the task of synopsizing oh, an Armando Iannucci script or movie. I'm not talking at all about this. I'm really not. Well, okay, you, you're coming to the material with humility. That's that's great. Let's see what you've got with your death of Stalopsis. Hey, mm. I can't believe it. You did, did I get it? it? Yeah. Sweet. Nailed it. Say it again. <laughs> Uh, I forgot what I said. <laughs> yeah, let's not jinx it. <laughs> you can just switch it around. You're, you're like Barry. If you're, well, he's the Barry. Never mind. I'm really stunned right now. I didn't think because you acted stupid as usual. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's his secret. But now I'm going to be really stupid. So, well, bring it. Yeah. How do, what do you do? What do you do? How do you make fun of? Oh, death of Stalipsis. Is that what you said? It's exactly what I said. Yep. Liar. <laughs> Some words are off. For 20 years, Joseph Stalin has ruled snowy Russia during an era called the Terror. Last week, Tom spent 20 minutes before the podcast telling me to watch a TV series called The Terror about a boat, also with snow issues. <laughs> Fuck, Gary, do you think he meant call him 17 minutes from when I said 17 or when I said minutes? Ugh. Ring, ring. Shit. Hello, uh, Joseph? I mean, comrade. Sorry, what? You want a recording of the what-cert? Hello? Fuck. Gary, please, the recording came out. 
Recording. And that was the Olga Kurilenko Symphony with Tchaikovsky's <laughs> Love Potion Number Nyet. <laughs> Interesting polarized reactions to that. Thank you all for coming. Sorry again, all the refreshment counters had on tap was bread and grape shovels. Hey, everybody. No one's going to get killed. Just a little musical emergency. Shutting both the doors. Good news. You get to hear a free replay of the concert you just listened to. Gary, go get some presents off the street to applaud. Fat ones, they clap louder. Or if, because of famine, there aren't any good old ladies with knitting needles. I filmed that play. Stalin is bullshit. He killed my family. He is asshole. He has stupid <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what the hell is happening? That was, a, that was, a, that was a spot on Olga Kirilenko dingus. That's what you just heard. I am very hot. <laughs> this is my voice Kelly came up with for hot Russian girl. Adore. Are you okay, Kelly? <laughs> it's Olga. <laughs> Olga, come on. Your piano's the best part of the concert after your thighs. No, my character's principal. Okay, 1,000 rubles. 2,000. Fine. You should try putting party over country for once. Later. Okay, soldiers, here's the 1890s phonograph of tonight's performance. Its tardiness has been logged in the piano concerto tardiness log. (laughs) And here's a note I wrote to Comrade Stalin, but I really think of his love of piano music. (laughs) What is going on? Girls are hard to do, Dingus. Uh. I guess I wrote this while I was playing piano. She spits on the letter and crumples it up. Olga, here, give me that. Oh, dames, what the? Nope, haha, it's too late. Haha, it's in the CD sleeve. I'm in. Now who will get shot? <laughs> The crumpled state of the angry letter has been logged in the angry letter log. Another soldier's all. The lateness of your tardiness log has been logged. The guy behind him's all. That was a state secret. He pulls out a gun and shoots him. I lean over to Indiana Jones sitting beside me and go, <clears throat> I watched T2 again last night because it was 420. And uh, Arnie leaves behind another arm in the foundry at the end of that movie too so they did all that for nothing he says something about mileage but in his russian accent from k19 so i tune out meanwhile at a dinner and the farmer says how comes that pig has a wooden leg bushimi spits milk out of his nose everybody laughs and pounds the table jeffrey tambor is all classic Ah, Stalin, you're the best. So great not being shot by you. How dare you like my joke too much? It's like he's a male or a clown. <laughs> if I was sending him a score, B plus at least. Tolstoy's all. Hey, remember when Jaden said he was cold? So I went, this will keep you warm. And I handed him a hand grenade. Jeffrey Tambor's all. Hey, whatever happened to Jaden? Everybody looks uncomfortable. Stalin's all. Maybe you'd like to join him. Everybody shudders. The fat, bald, Cheney guy with white hair looks at us and goes, That's right, bitches. The goss man's back. 
<laughs> wow. You dicks would rather watch a black guy eat a meal at Denny's than me open a jazz club. Then you troll me with Faye Dunaway. Ah, that's great. Real mature. Ha ha. Blade Runner 2949. Fine, whatever. You guys were too stupid to get it. I had a fucking wooden horse. Hello. <laughs> I guess because my parents were assholes who wouldn't get me a toy robot. I never finished the script. But now I'm playing Joey Stalin here, the most beloved world leader of the 19th century. Wait, what? Who the fuck is Beria? <laughs> What's his first name? Cy? Huh, what? What's he look like, at least? Jesus Christ. Well, what happens to him? Nah, don't tell me. I want to be surprised. <laughs> After the hijinks wind down, Stalin goes into his bedroom, then shouts down the hall, And tell Eisenstein to make up his mind! Baby carriage or battleship! He slams the door. <laughs> See, Tom, Russia jokes. That's what I came up with. I don't <laughs> I can't write anything. He slams the door that opens his concerto recording CD sleeve to put it on. Olga's note falls out. He eventually picks it up. Dear Stalin, fuck you. I hope you die. <laughs> You're a piece of shit. You're the worst ruler Russia's ever had. <laughs> Look at me. My name is Joseph Stalin. Doi. Best Olga. He chuckles with lust, then starts coughing. His eyes bulge. He clutches his chest and falls over. I lean over to Dolph Lundgren sitting beside me. Oh, I'm so interested in her writing me. He says something less memorably than Mr. T. Outside his door, one guard's all, That sounded like him falling to the floor. Uh, the other one's all, Maybe that letter from Karolenko came with a photo. <laughs> Twelve hours later, Tambor's all, <laughs> I hope this is just piss. My knees are soaking in. Shut up, Jeffrey. Pick up his head. You're now whatever the Russian word for premier is. <laughs> Michael Palin's all. My name, and this is Molotov. He raises a bottle of kerosene with a burning handkerchief fluttering from its neck. <laughs> also, I designed this beverage to drink, you pyromaniacal litterbugs. Bashimi's all. I can't relate to 99% of humanity. Bashimi, quit gaslighting. Now put him in the bed, not the flower bed, you idiots. Fourth guy who's Kelly's <laughs> fucking. God. I don't want to do it. Anymore. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I want to be over. Fourth guy whose name Kelly forgets. You go find some good doctors. <laughs> we killed all the good ones. Remember, we've all become <laughs> Hamlets in our country. Children of the slain father leader, whose killers still possess the throne. <laughs> I've got the best cheese on campus. Stalin's British daughter comes in and goes, why'd someone put a chair on a lamp? She walks out again. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's painting at that pointing on the wall. I mean, the feisty 80-year-old housemaid's all. I think he's saying that we're the poker chips and the dogs are sometimes just cigars. <laughs> I guess she's the 12 monkeys. Freak. Helen Mirren's 2010 characters all. You idiots. He's asking for a drink in a dog bowl with poker chips as ice cubes. Dostoevsky's all. 
FYI, in Tron Legacy, when Garrett Hedlund was in Jeff Bridges' Tron house and nodded at a shelf and said my last name and then kept walking, I did roll over in my grave, although I also had an itch. Okay, good. We still have sound. Bad, bad part of the ops is to check that on. Jesus, this Opsis is a disaster. Okay, Stalin's daughter, you and these guys in hats. Go find an old man walking his dog somewhere. Tell him he's now a doctor and bring him here. I'll go hit the stethoscope store. Steve, you plan the funeral. How come I got to be Mr. Funeral Director? Because you're a fag, <laughs> all right? Look, let's just all co-rule together. We can split it up like someone did with Germany. How can you split a country, you mook? Fuck you, I'm taking it. That fucker's mine. <laughs> Gosling leans over Stalin and whispers, like I told Harrison just before he punched me in RL, have a long sleep, old man. I'll take it from here. <laughs> Meanwhile, at a hockey game, Timothy Dalton's all, no! <laughs> <laughs> Why do our guys keep falling over? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, ice is slippery, sir? And what's that asshole just doing sitting in the net? He's keeping the score down. Uh, he's the goalie. He's uh, he's actually on the other team. Remember that stuff I said after, here are the rules? Ah, I'll do it myself. You, skate differently. The rest of you, just play around me. Pretend I'm not here. Why aren't you saluting me? Later in a woodshed. What are you doing to my father's head? Don't we really taking his brain out and shipping it to America? He points to a shrugging Mark Rylads. <laughs> this guy's said... <laughs> This guy said maybe it'd help. <laughs> Dalton's all Why you They all chuckle admiringly and watch as he and a guard struggle for a few minutes over a pistol. <laughs> Later. Oh, that's great, Jeffrey. Later. Oh, that's great, Jeffrey. Pat at the camera more. I am rushing in this. Come on. Ha ha, Jeffrey Tabor is being photographed. Guys, give me five. You listen to me, you little shit. If you ever interrupt my photo shoots again. Also, Greg, I want to take a picture with the kid Stalin did in this picture, but younger. Also, the girl should be younger. What's a war hero have to do to get some lubrication around here? Ugh, great, that guy. Thinks he's so cool because he blew up a few tanks at Stalingrad. We should just give all our medals to the month of December. You know, I've been running this country with the rest of you for a fucking week now, just trying to chat, you know? Well, fuck it. I don't have to talk to you guys either, man. See how all you guys like it. Total silence. <laughs> Who invited the fucking bishops? Look at those freaks. I invited the bishops. They remind me of the wooden chess piece I kept in Blade Runner since it was made out of wood and I wanted to keep it safe. Uh, I put it in a furnace. <laughs> in the background, a piano singer starts singing Let's Find Each Other Tonight. Palin's all. <laughs> Ugh, this is the worst funeral ever. You know, hello, Zay Feliciano. You got no complaints. <laughs> Why? I hate myself. This is like having my brain sucked out by New York Zionists sucking the cock and balls. <laughs> <laughs> J- 
Jeffrey Tambor's all, and I want to fuck Grace Kelly. Damn it, I can carry a movie. I don't need any of you. By the way, when Emma Stone bumped into me and spilled coffee on herself, I improvised that. Clumsy bitch. And I have dirt on all of you, especially this letter from Olga Karolenko. He storms off. <laughs> Shimi's all. See, he's out to get all of us. Tambor's all. Yeah, I think he meant you guys, as in you guys, because I was standing over there. I'm not going to debate you, Jeffrey. Later, in front of the entire population of the Soviet <laughs> Union. My father was a warm and mighty bear. And we are his 170 million orphaned cubs. Engage! <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's nice. An old woman in the back claps mockingly. But at what Dingus said, not Patrick Stewart. Later, in a table room. Okay, don't worry, my guys. Put bombs <laughs> under all four corners of this table. Can't wait to see Gosling's face in a minute. What? Let me, uh, nothing. <laughs> Whatever, Conair. Motion carries. Gentlemen, can someone please explain to me this riddle on my Dixie cup? In Russia, TVs watch you? What? I don't... It doesn't... <laughs> Ryan Goslingovsky, you are under arrest for excessive and unnecessary car horn usage on a freeway. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I'm not an actual kangaroo in judges' robes. That's so brazen. Patrick Stewart shoots him, and they pour water on him and set him on fire. <laughs> Bashimi's all. Blood has been shed. Some words tell me the names of Russians who did stuff. I lean over to Warren Beatty and whisper, I haven't laughed this much since Reds. The end. <laughs> Kelly, uh, why was Beria played by Ryan Gosling? Because he had that same voice. And I uh. didn't have any idea what to do on this because it was just – I don't think I've had to do an Iannucci before. I, I, like I said, I don't envy you. Yeah. Well, Kelly Wan, what did you He's think? He's outsizing of, me in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of Death of Stalin? Uh, what's a movie that's better than it and a movie that's not quite as good as it? Uh, did, uh, if it came out last year, it would have made my top ten easily. Um, but uh, for my over and under, I don't know if this is legal, but – uh, I just did politicians are wacky as a theme, mm-hmm. and my over is in the loop because it's funnier, but my under is also in the loop because it's not as horrifying, and I kind of liked the concept of in the loop set in Russia, so I really, really like this movie um, a lot. Wow, Kelly Wand, I don't, I don't think any of us has ever tried to do that before. The same thing for an over and an under. Dingus, that's unprecedented, right? Yeah, and I love that he did that because that really captures it, I think. Kelly Wan, you set, the, you set the status quo and you're a radical. By changing the rules. <laughs> it bends Dingus, it's funny. Wow, he did a real uh, Kobayashi Maru on us, didn't he? Dingus, what's a movie that's better than this, a movie that's not quite as good? And what did you think? Uh, well, I, I love the way Kelly puts this because uh, he basically – I mean I don't even know if I want to put it over and under because his is so perfect. I mean that basically perfectly gets – how I feel about this movie. Um, it's uh, okay. Anyway, uh, for an over, I, I, I just yeah. chose p- political satire movies uh, for an over. I chose uh, Dr. Strange love. 
which uh, I find funny and charming and also horrifying all at the same time, but not um, not disgusting or uh, repulsive in the ways in the in the areas that this movie goes to, uh, which I think the movie is the movie earns those those ways of where it's going to. And it made me have to challenge myself as far as understanding the difference between why I liked in the loop and, and why I, I was able to laugh so much as at it and, and understand the differences between humor and laughter and how humor can be dark and still not be maybe necessarily funny. Um, so I, that is another reason why I love what Kelly one had to say, uh, for an under, um, it was hard for me to choose an under. Uh, I chose Wag the Dog because I just th- that movie kind of missed me. Um, yeah, I got what it was kind of going for, but it and and I think it's a it's a smart movie with a with a good cast, but it it sort of skipped off the surface of me. So uh, I would put uh, an under as Wag the Dog, but I really really like this thing. Um, but I feel unsettled. I I feel so unsettled. Uh, by it that that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to talk to you guys about it um, because I wanted to, you guys to help me digest it basically all right uh, I, I understand that feeling of unsettled thing is it's super uh, like when it's getting really grim at the end it's really uncomfortable and it's not letting up on the absurdity but it's mm-hmm. getting just just really dark and and I you know I, I don't know if you're supposed to feel sympathy for Beria because they're simultaneously villainizing him and bringing to light uh, his, his rape of young women and his his patheticness like I think you kind of it's just it's a really uncomfortable ending uh, yeah. so uh, what what strikes me about this I mean Armando Iannucci is uh, I just think one of the contemporary all time great observers of the inanity of people in power. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love that he focused that sense of the inanity, of this absurdity. I love that he focused that on a historical setting. And part really of the topical. Tro- um, so here's here's why I want to say it's not topical. In a, in a way, Kelly, I want to get what you're saying. But what, what I appreciated about Death of Stalin is I think it's something that we don't appreciate in the United States. And mm-hmm. that is the 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 precariousness of regime changes because in the united states we have an election and we're used to the peaceful transfer of of authority uh, from from elected office to elected office we don't have this panic when somebody dies about what's going to happen because we don't live under a despotism we don't we live under the rule of law and that's what governs our exchanges of power uh so what we're dealing with with Trump uh, is is unprecedented for us, and this idea that when a leader dies, that chaos happens, that's yeah. something that I don't think we experience in the United States. Uh, so my over and under are movies about that, about just how dire it is when a leader dies and what that's going to mean to everyone in a way that we don't appreciate in the United States. Uh, And my under is a a really sharp Korean movie called The President's Last Bang. Uh, In 1979, basically the head of the FBI, their their equivalent in Korea, assassinated their president and uh, attempted a coup. 
And this is a, a really sharp movie about that one evening uh, where that might have happened. And the, the coup was, was suppressed. They were all executed. Uh, and Korea went back – South Korea uh, went back to uh, the, the same party what was in power. Uh, but that movie about the chaos of someone dying and someone else trying to take over – uh, it is. Uh, it's also a very sharply observed, absurd, funny, grim comedy. Uh, not quite as good as this, and better than this. And this is kind of cheating again. You guys let me get away with it once, so there might be more of this. Uh, I I wish you guys would see a mini series called Wolf Hall with Mark Rylance. Oh. Uh, where he plays Thomas Cromwell, and one of the episodes, I think it's maybe the fourth out of six episodes, uh, Henry the Eighth. There, there's a. They think that he's died, like he he has a, he collapses during a hunting incident, and all of these things go into motion that happen when a king dies. And of course, that's not how Henry VIII died. So it's a it's a false alarm. But that one episode where everybody's like, okay. Henry VIII is dead, and now I'm going to be dead if I don't leave town. Uh, you know, this person, I have to either kill this person or get out of town. And, and watching Mark Rylance as Thomas Cromwell trying to to juggle all of these different conflicting allegiances and factions. But, of course, it turns out that Henry VIII, uh, he recovered from this. So I love Wolf Hall so much. Wolf Hall is really good as a historical observation. Wolf Hall is is unique for how it shows you absurd things. It doesn't pull away from that stuff because it looks weird to us uh, because it's not uh, it's not like a, a masterpiece theater thing that's made to play like a stage play. It's uh, it's a very it, it prides itself on historical accuracy to the point of awkwardness in certain things. Uh, so I love Wolf Hall. It's not uh, I would I would put it slightly above this, although it's a very different kind of storytelling. Uh, but I love this and I love Armando Iannucci and I love the density of comedy. I've only seen this once, yeah. but like in the loop, like uh, like uh, the early bits of Veep that he did, like um, shoot, what was the one about the the British uh, prime uh, the minister in, in Britain? Uh, thick of it, uh, like thick of it. Yeah. I could watch these over and over and just enjoy the nuances of his script, of the actors working within his type of comedy, how they react to each other. Uh, just the density of comedy in this is is just staggeringly entertaining. So I loved this. It's well, interesting that he lets them keep their natural accents too. So it somehow adds to the comedy, even though they would all be well, speaking Russian, you know. In the same I think way. it makes it sort of Shakespearean in a way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it sort of plays on that a little bit, and I don't think he's he's making any bones about that. I and I and I think he's also like playing with the idea of having this. Uh, you know, Steve Buscemi thrown in, which I think is just an inspired bit of casting, but I can yeah. talk about casting in a little bit. Um, but if I if I could, I just want to talk about something that Tom was talking about a minute ago, just about the political system in America and how it's different from that. Um, because you, you triggered something uh, for me, a memory of um, of the of the of the election in 2000 where uh, George Bush and Al Gore were contending in Florida, which was basically going to be the deciding factor on who became president of the United States. And, uh, you know, it seems quaint looking 18 years back at how upset I was. And I was making video VHS tapes of this, you know, on various news channels, just cause I was so riveted to the, to what was going on there. And, um, when the Supreme court eventually made its decision, um, so that uh, George Bush 
George W. Bush became president of the United States, uh, I remember a number of of uh, pundits or news people saying, we have the kind of country where people aren't going to be riding in the streets. We're going to have a peaceful transfer of power. Um, and it's weird to look back on that and, and kind of feel creepy about it now. Because, yes, we had a peaceful transfer of power to uh, Donald Trump, which might be a slow-moving coup. Uh, but it's not the same thing as what we're dealing with when we watch the death of Stalin. So when you bring up that as a relation to the difference in our in our political systems uh i find that re- i find that a very interesting statement and it's interesting that it triggers the 2000 election for me yeah we, we have constitutional crises they have uh chaos like they have a coup right they have people uh, getting shot in the head right which yeah so uh let, let's how funny is it? Well, I kind of know what Kelly Wan oh, is going to say. Right. The thing is, is it is it hard for you to be amused to to see jokes being made about people getting shot in the head? You know, the, the you talk about the end of the movie um, as being the part where it got really dark for you. For me, where it gets really where it, it gets hard for me, and 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 this is again where I had to wrestle between the the difference between um, what. Um, what humor and funny are uh, is when Beria is going through the that holding prison, uh, and people are getting shot right and left, and bodies are being rolled downstairs, and they're and they're making oblique references to rape um, as they walk through, and and tossing out jokes as they go, and. And I was trying to figure out why it was so hard for me. And a part of this is that I was watching it with, uh, with our friend uh, Alexandra, who uh, who speaks Russian and and uh, understands that society much better than I do, uh, because of her family history. And feeling a little bit uncomfortable about that, and wondering how she was taking it. I mean, she uh. she very much uh, liked the movie, but she didn't know how to quite take those things either, because they're they're really hard to take. And for me. Um, Balancing that that level of of dark black, pitch black humor against uh, people getting shot in the head in the background, which which would be amusing in some other movie, but isn't amusing here because it's real. It's a real thing that happened. These things really happened, and these young girls being raped by Barrier really happened. These are real things that happened. These aren't things you're supposed to necessarily think are funny but they are darkly humorous the way he presents them and that's and yeah i think you you said something what did you say tom i don't i'm, I'm not quite sure how you put it like the compactness of comedy how did you put it the, uh, the density of the density of the, de- the density of comedy i think is really well put because um sometimes the density of comedy doesn't always allow for a lot of laughter within it uh, but it doesn't mean it's not comedy uh but it was really hard for me to process because uh of the um of the human toll that it represented so when you know, when there's that, which can be seen as a gag, the the soldiers going in for the list, and then the guy knocks on the door, and the composer thinks he's about to be carried off to jail, and it's and it just turns out like, oh, we just need you to come out here in your pajamas and uh, direct a, a symphony. Come on with us. Uh, it's it's a weird gag, but in the meanwhile, people are being dragged up to jail to be shot. So. It's hard for me to process. I, mean, I I don't know what to do with this. I, I really do love this movie. I really do like it a great deal. 
and that's why I wanted to talk about it. I think it's, it's you know, I've seen four movies so far this year that I think are going to that are list making movies, um, and this is one of them. Uh, but I don't quite know how to process it because of those reasons, because it makes me feel so uncomfortable, and I think it's supposed to. Kelly, one reassure Dingus. Yeah, it's supposed to. You're watching it correctly. Um, it, it's a it's a bold challenge watching that with Alexander, I would think, because it seems like a weird date movie anyway. And, and what you said was interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm, I like that she liked it. She's a gentle soul too, so the fact that she liked it is proof of the movie's quality in a way. Like she liked it, but she her. was equal. She was uncomfortable as well. I mean, we were both uncomfortable. We didn't know quite how to process it. And it's a movie that I think, you know, there are some movies that you see that you need to take a couple of days with, <laughs> um, and you need to write about or talk about or think about or watch a couple of more times and and develop your opinions on. And this is one of those movies. Uh, and I didn't know the first time I saw it that it was based on a graphic novel or a comic book. And by the way, Chris Markinson is the only person who wrote in, and he really liked this um, to the extent that he just ordered the graphic novel that it was based upon. So I look forward to hearing his thoughts on that. Um, but I think you can see elements of that in the way that the movie is made. So I will be skeptical, actually, if uh, – actually, I'll be very curious how – what that comic book is like because this just feels like straight up Ianucci to me. Yeah. Uh, and what what I uh really applaud about this approach and this necessarily would make you uncomfortable dingus because because you know this is this is a story uh, historically this is about executions and purges and mm-hmm. deportations and gulags that's the that's the subject matter here and i love that ianucci is taking the same kind of satire he uses to describe mid-level uh politicians bureaucracy exactly and he's applying that same type of absurdist storytelling to that kind of bureaucracy on a larger more horrific level because they're of a piece the difference is the level of power that that's wielded uh, you, you know, mm. Stalin was a monster because he could be a monster. If he had just been a petty bureaucrat, he would have been like Julie Louise Dreyfus in Veep. And not to say that, that Julie Louise Dreyfus in Veep, that Selena Meyer would murder millions of people. Uh, but that same kind of bureaucratic mindset. Well, there are parts of Veep where she's incredibly unsympathetic and, and like yeah. she's terrible to Gary or something. There, it, Veep doesn't pull any punches about how horrible she, she can be. She's not committing genocide. She's not doing what Stalin would do. But what I appreciate is that Iannucci shows us those characters in the same kind of light with the same kind of humor and disdain and satire because they are basically the only difference is their scale and their morality but their that's basic attitude is the exact same thing and that yeah. that's what's fascinating about watching the this this committee dealing with Stalin being gone it's the same way that Selena Meyer would deal with a you know a, a poll or, or the election you know there, she had the whole uh, problem with losing the election she stopped being the veep uh, in one of the seasons uh, or the thick of it or uh, in the loop I think is more relevant because in the loop is about these mid-level bureaucrats the neocons who mm-hmm. Uh, basically hijacked the Bush administration, and what they put through in the Veep results in the deaths of hundreds of thousands of Iraqis. 
Uh, and that is what's looming over the satire in that movie. Those are the stakes. Uh, and it's the same kind of humor where the stakes is a vice presidential office or a local minister in the thick of it in, in, in the UK. Uh, so it's, it's different stakes, but it's the same substance. It's the same kind of bureaucracy. It's the same craven vanity uh, and haplessness that drives these other characters. And I like him painting Stalin's successors in that same light. That's a really great I, I love the way that you're linking these things because with Selena Meyer, it's like she's crushing bugs under a shoe, and with uh, with Stalin, it's like wholesale extermination. I mean, that's the that's kind of the the difference of scale that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it also it. Well, go on. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I mean, go ahead, Kelly. Uh, well, just it's in the other ones we're not we're not seeing like historical figures that we're that familiar with like it's not like it's about uh bush and margaret thatcher specifically but, but fictional constructs and it's like here it's the fact that it's stalin like even world war Two didn't displace stalin like it was just a blip to him <laughs> like it was in power for 20 years and so they didn't these people didn't know any other way i would think like there'd been so many purges and stuff and so well it's not only that it's that constant i mean one one of the things i love about the way that this movie is structured is the is the is from the very beginning with the with the uh, patty Considine section at the beginning um every little thing is right. um is is a chance for fear 17 minutes from when one mistake uh, wait, what, what number did you write down? Just to put down that apple. Why are you always eating apples? Uh, who's being heard? Oh, no. Uh, you know, uh, Stalin has a great ear. Uh, and, and even the doctor with the dog and having to look over his shoulder, there's a constant sense of constantly looking over your shoulder because you don't know if you're going to be dragged off or your family is going to be killed. Yeah. Um, and, and this movie perfectly conveys that with – that sense of dark, dark humor uh, that is rightly unsettling. It's just hard, you know. Maybe it's just that I expect my humor to be enjoyed, um, and this is why when I watched In the Loop again, it, I I can kind of take a little bit of solace in Peter Capaldi. He's not cuddly. I wouldn't say that in any way, but he's he's. He chews on words so well that it's enjoyable to hear him chew on words, no matter what yeah. the context is. It's so enjoyable listening to him talk and listening to him talk about a lubricated horse cock or whatever. Just hearing him spit out those words, it kind of kind of gives you a little bit of a respite. And I don't know that this movie does that, even though it casts Steve Buscemi, who can be kind of goofy in in a certain like the way he looks. Um, this is movie it, doesn't give you respite, I don't think, and In the Loop, I think, does. Because In the Loop has scenes where they have to deal with the public and pretend that they're competent, and in this movie, they never have to give a shit about yeah. like the peasantry. They only have to care about each other and their internal struggles. They couldn't care – like, I mean, they do talk – they, like, worry about the guards and the maids, but they just are really like, do I need to murder them yet? No, I guess not. I can wait. Like, they'll be cowed by fear. Uh. But in every conversation they have with the populace, they control all the power, and they're always, like, yelling at them and, like, being shits to them. Like, yeah, get over there. Like, just – it's total apartheid. Like, 
power structure. So that that so that's the different vibe from in the loop where it's like these guys are still scrambling to keep their jobs and seize power that they don't have yet, but also appease the public and like try and look good, like saving face and stuff. And in this is pure. Okay, we got. There's also him. that silly stuff in the forest where they're where they're racing to get to uh, Andrea Riceboro, who yeah. I, I can't. I can't remember her character's name off the top of my head. Svetlana? Um, yeah, Svetlana, thank you. Where they're racing to get to her, and that's absurd as well, and that's silly, but you still understand the stakes that are involved because so many people have been shot in the head. But it's cute and quaint still, and that's why that third act's so awesome, because it's just like, these are the same cute... They're Because they're funny. That's the thing, when someone's funny, you like them, and we've seen in the loop, and, and we bring that baggage with us, and so we're kind of enjoying the mood. Like, oh, it's it's, it's light, and t- like, the jokes are good, and then at the end, it's just like, Ashes and misery. It's great. It's perfect. Perfect uh, movie. Well, if I have if I have one problem within the loop, it would be that Peter Capaldi is such a towering presence in that movie yeah. because I, I think Armando Iannucci knew what he had with mm-hmm. Peter Capaldi in in thick of it, and so when he brings him to in the loop, I mean, he's in, obviously in love with that character. He writes for that character. Uh, you can hear that character talking in early bits of Veep, just the the profanity at least tirades uh yeah peter capaldi is just he looms large over in the loop just by the force of his presence and how how armando Iannucci obviously likes working with him i kind of appreciated that not being the case with death of stalin this was very much an ensemble piece yeah. everybody was tapping into armando Iannucci's type of of humor in a very different way from a very different approach mm-hmm. and that also is is you you know we you guys mentioned the accents before, even letting people have their own accents to just be completely naturalistic with their humor and to find the way to express what Armando Iannucci writes without trying to impersonate anyone. I really liked that uh, as an ensemble approach to, to how to tell this story. Because there were, there were times, too, that uh, you could definitely hear Steve Buscemi and you're like, yeah, that's, that's his character from Reservoir Dogs. That's Steve mm-hmm. Buscemi, all right. Uh, and I didn't mind that at all. I didn't mind Nikita Khrushchev being the guy from the warehouse in, in Reservoir Dogs. I was okay with that. Yeah. It kind of affects the factions, too. Like, oh, that guy's stupid accent. We got to get rid of him. Right, right, right. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. Bushimi's like, eh, he's like the schemer. Like, he really they, – they are like – they're – and Michael Palin isn't really like his Brazil character, though. I, I love what they do with Michael Palin. That yeah, so I do too, and, and that's what yeah. Markinson says as well. Markinson, Chris Markinson, who's uh, our emailer who wrote in this week, um, he said, what a treat it was to see Michael Palin, and from doing a little bit of reading, and it seems that Chris Markinson had just read about this uh, beforehand, and he has some things to say about Beria and the guy who played him, Simon Beale. But what he says about Michael Palin is that it seems that Molotov was totally devoted to Stalin no matter what Stalin did. Right. Yeah. So well, then that, I mean that that brilliant bit where he's at the committee and he's saying, uh, you know, we <sighs> should we should we should uh, keep in mind what Stalin did and we should persevere with that, but we should also make our own rules. You know, he goes back and forth like that's this great bit of political juggling, and you get mm-hmm. a sense from that. Oh, that's why this guy hasn't been shot yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, he's navigating. He can play both sides in right. the same conversation yeah. with himself. Yeah. And yeah, they keep exactly. raising their hands to go. Okay, great. Oh, no, he's still going. That's such a beautiful moment. I mean, there are a few moments in this movie that I would highlight as just the movie in a microcosm. Yeah. And, and that's one of them is Michael Palin's uh, back and forth like three or four times uh, at that table meeting. 
I'm well, glad the smaller moment is when he's when he's you know talking about how his wife is a criminal, and then Paulina's there, and he's like, "Oh, she's back." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> parasite. Even Molotov's going off on her. He's like, "Oh, she's the worst." Like it's the one time where he is he's disgusted by someone or something. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, do I, you guys do you guys know Simon Beale from anything? The guy who played Beria. I never know anyone. I'm never I really one. don't. Uh, you know, Margaretson says that he can't stand the person, um, the Beria character. And again, he said he had done some reading about Stalin's death before this um, a few months ago, just coincidentally, I guess. Uh, but he said Simon Beale was, in his opinion, awesome. Um, but I don't, I don't know that I know Simon Beale from anything. I don't. I don't think he's much of a movie guy. I uh, there's a. I think it's a BBC production of. Uh, of Richard II, Henry IV, Part One and Two, and then Dingus' favorite, Henry V, uh, under the moniker uh, Hollow Crown. And Simon Beale plays Falstaff in the uh, – I guess he comes in at Henry IV uh, – plays Falstaff in the three – yeah, I guess it's, it's Falstaff in three of them. He plays Falstaff in this anyway. And if you have a stomach yeah. for watching the, the histories, I think Hollow Crown is brilliant. There's some really cool casting that I don't want to spoil for anyone, uh, but Simon Beale uh, is quite the presence in that, and he's – I think he's very much a stage actor. And it's interesting, too, watching Berea, Berea as uh, kind of a Falstaff character. I mean, not that uh-huh. to that to that level, but Falstaff has this kind of arc in the, the, the historical dramas as well. Um, That's a really good connection, actually. Uh, because now that you mentioned it, I think he was in um, Brenna's Hamlet as, as one of the gravediggers, as a second gravedigger or something like that. He's, he plays some small part in, in Brenna's. Hamlet, that makes sense because I imagine probably among among the British, he's probably a well known stage actor. It would seem but like the, someone that Branagh would cast. Yeah. Right, but the Falstaff connection is excellent, and I didn't even think of that. That's great. Uh, I will f- I will fight any of you for how much I like Andrea Riseborough. Oh man, she's so funny in this. She's so funny. She's so funny and pathetic. I love her. Kelly Wand, what are your what's your opinion on her? Um, you know, Kurlenko's there too, so. Um, you know, <laughs> but so so once again, once again, yes, yeah, just like Oblivion, I'm like, oh yeah, Kurlenko's fine, but man, Andrea Riseborough, she's the one to really, she's the one who's who really catches my eye. Uh, mm. Yeah. I, well, I, it's a talent thing. Kurlenko's certainly gorgeous, but Andrea Riseborough, I've just seen her doing so many different kinds of things in different kinds of movies, uh, in different hairdos. Do you remember her hairdo in Nocturnal Animals, Kelly Wand? Oh yeah, huh? She's this amazing like afro in that. Uh, I just saw her in uh, something with uh, Robbie Coltrane called National Treasure, uh, oh. which is a, a British series where he plays uh, an an old timey entertainer, like a beloved comedian from British television, who is accused of child molestation. Uh, and Andrea Riseborough plays his daughter, uh, and she's amazing in National Treasure. Uh, I, I like her a lot. I just can't get enough of her, and it's so much fun watching her being uh, funny in, in this because, again, she has her own style. That whole, you know, why would someone put a lamp on a table bit? Uh, yeah. Here's another microcosm moment. You have to moment. steal the uh, uh, Declaration of Independence from <sighs> – I don't get you that You had one. to wait in- so long for that. Is she in there? <laughs> oh, oh, I see, because that's called National Treasure. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just, go ahead. You know, I Keep think when I think National Treasure, I think uh, Kelly Wand. I do too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Even though uh, I mean, an- 
Another microcosm moment, too, which, again, is just me really enjoying how funny Andrea Riseborough is, uh, when Rupert Friend is struggling to get the gun from the guard, and everybody's just, like, giving him his space. And Armando Iannucci yeah. shoots it. He just lets everybody sort of sit there looking yeah. exasperated, waiting for him to sort of the, – the struggle to go out of him. They know the one guard has him. <laughs> just, yeah. just how long that moment goes on. It's just so <laughs> – just endearingly funny, and uh, I, I and, oh God, I loved that moment right there. Uh, that's the movie's kind of sense of humor that it applies to executions and, and purges. <laughs> and she's just sort of standing there, kind of rolling her eyes a little bit. Yeah. She also tells them to water down the vodka early on. I, I really, I really loved her in this. I thought she was hilarious. Uh, Russia banned this movie, and uh, they hate it, and their reason for hating it because they can't go that didn't happen that's not uh <laughs> although they they did say that too but they go they're the foundation of their cases they said it, it they hated the uh, timothy dalton character and they're like it's defeating <laughs> our world war ii soldiers boo you hate the military you hate our military it's like i guess you know, zukov that's one of the things about the army is that the army can uh, distance itself from the pettiness of politi- politics because they've fought wars. So I guess Zukov is probably right. still a beloved figure uh, in, in Russia. Yeah. yeah. So that's their hate. That's the, their case for like, this movie's bad. Boom. It's not, it's not that they object to the fact that he's one of the captains in the new Star Trek. I love that guy, by the way. <laughs> Star Trek. I have a total man crush on Jason Isaacs. From, from I think what, Dingus? Because I know you I don't, don't watch know. Star Trek, and I know you didn't see OG. Or no, OC. Wait, OA. OA. Good Lord, I can't remember. That what Brit the Marlin hell are you thing. talking about? That Brit Marlin thing that I told you about called OA, which stands for Original Angel, and she prevents a school shooting through interpretive dance. Uh, Jason Isaacs is the villain in that, uh, and he's really good. Uh, the, uh, when I looked him up and just typed out the things that he was in, the, the things that I remember him from um, were, I think he was in Fury, which is not, you didn't get uh, to do that with us, Tom. And I, I really like that movie. God, who was he in Fury? Like one one of the officers? Or <laughs> he was one of the captains, yeah. Okay. Uh, and um, he was also in a single shot. Of which uh, movie? Yeah, wait, wait, good lord. I, maybe Who was he in Single Shot? Do you remember? Uh, I, I don't remember his name. I just remember that he was in it. I, I just remember the guy's face. I just love the guy's face. Uh, but more than his face, I just love his demeanor. And he was also in Black Hawk Down, I think. I mean, he, he seems like the perfect the perfect kind of guy who would be in Black Hawk Down. Well, the thing is, I mean, all male actors are in Black Hawk Down. Yeah, that's probably yeah, it's the JFK of... Uh, <laughs> but I just, I really, really like that guy a lot. I just think that he's cool. Well, you don't know. He's the new, like, Starship captain. He's like Kirk in this new from Star what? Trek Discovery. Well, from <laughs> Star Trek Discovery. He's the, you, the captain in that. Uh, I thought that was the Michelle Yeoh one. No, she gets killed. But nothing. Uh, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> no, she gets killed in the first episode, actually. Or does she? Uh, no, he, he's – and also – well, I don't want to spoil Star Trek Discovery for anyone. But no, he's like their – He's oh. not the main character. That's this horrible Mary Sue character. There's a chick from oh. Walking Dead who's terrible. But he's like he's the captain, and he's awesome. Hmm. Like you're like yeah, I want to I I want to be on his ship. All the captains are Mary Sues. Hi, Siren. <laughs> oh man, I love that siren sound. Uh, Tom, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about something. Yes. Um, you said that this isn't pertinent to modern politics. I think it kind of is. Why do you think I it's not? 
Well, what I'm talking about is the the idea of a regime change. Like we don't understand the when somebody dies, the, the how dramatic a change that is. Uh, now, now it's certainly pertinent to politics in the sense that it's about you know petty, craven uh, bureaucrats. That absolutely. Um, but I, I don't feel that the particular subject matter, and that's why my over and under are about those oh, kinds okay, of things, right. is something that we as Americans understand, uh, or, or at least we don't understand it firsthand. Because um, there is a line in there that is that is literally, oh no, Nikki, and it's it's hilarious to me to hear Nikita Khrushchev referred to as Nikki, uh, which I can't imagine them just yeah. calling him Nikki. It just seems like Bishimi. oh, it seems like it's so it seems so weird to call Nikita Khrushchev Nikki. Um, oh no, Nikki! False narrative, which seems like a direct echo to, you know, false news. You know that well, whole. It, it is, but they had it before we did. I mean, that's part yeah. of the right. whole idea well, of what I mean, You know, yeah. you, you read 1984. 1984 comes from, you know, these these repressive totalitarian regimes that actually exist. Uh, so this idea of uh, fake news and false narrative, you know, that's these totalitarian regimes. They rewrite the narrative. They invent history. Uh, but yeah, so the thing is here, it, it is yeah, you're, you're, it's definitely relevant in certain ways. I I don't mean to be glib okay. about saying. Well, oh, all right, all right, that's fine. I'm not saying you're glib. I was just wondering if if there was something else besides that because I think that our the the elements of our population that uh, that are um, consuming Donald Trump as a hero are not understanding the nuances. What such as they are, of what false news means and of how dangerous that is, right. because right. it just seems like, uh, haha, all the all the mainstream media are liars. They're all liberals. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, but that, but hearing that said, you know, no, no, Nikki, this false narrative um, is really a little bit chilling to me. Uh, so I, I do think it is. Pertinent, but I understand that you're saying it's it's pertinent, but it's not completely parallel. I understand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it is the same. The, the, the sort of people who actually use fake news unironically don't appreciate what the what that comes from. Like they don't appreciate the connections to totalitarian regimes. Uh, they don't appreciate how propaganda works and agitprop and how the Soviet Union uh, undermines uh, other countries and media and stuff. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, uh, I, you know, it's the thing. I get the same chill when you know, when they talk about false narratives. That you know, hearing people l- in earnest accusing something of being uh, fake news, I feel the same way. I just feel it just makes me sick to hear that term used. Uh, mm. And that they, at least Russia, they had to do that with an army, but America's so stupid. Like they <laughs> voted it. Like yeah. Well, it, it awesome. really is. It's an example too of kind of in a, in the in a totalitarian in a, in a with a dictatorship. Whatever the army says goes. Like you can't really get anywhere without the backing of the army. Uh, those guys, you, you just need them on board first and foremost, don't you? Like because it, it really does seem like if Jason Isaacs had thrown in with Beria, if Zukov had thrown in with Beria, would have gone a very different direction. Right, yeah. right. And, and in fact, Khrushchev says at one point, you know, I need an army. He runs right. off to get one, right? And there's, and but there's all that, there's also that other stuff that makes them feel like a bunch of teenagers. Where like, let's switch places, with me. come on. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that's our Yanucci's uh, humor. It's just, just the, yeah. the inanity of these these people. How ridiculous it is, and uh, you know, 
that's just so Jeffrey Tambor is because that's another thing is I'm watching this and I'm seeing oh yeah that's Steve Buscemi from Reservoir Dogs and oh yeah that's uh, Jeffrey Tambor from the Gary Shandling show like it's it's the same kind of character but he's in charge of Russia. <laughs> well, uh, it bothered it, this actually bothered Alexandra because uh, all all she could see in him was Arrested Development. Oh sure, right, right, yeah, yeah. That's all she could see. And she just kept feeling like she was watching him in Arrested Development, and I think it kind of drew her out of the movie. Really? A couple of times, yeah. Because I saw him as Hank Kingsley character a little bit, like because he was oh, he was kind of unsure of himself and like feeling like he wasn't getting sufficient respect and he should be running things. Oh, as if as if Gary Shandling had died and he had just had to take over running the show. There's an yeah. episode where he actually does that, or or, yeah. or yeah. Gary Shandling, where he has to host, and he's just so insecure, and he breaks down and weeps because he's worried that, that he's not good, that people won't like him. Uh, right. Which I actually find that episode kind of touching. But that is kind of, I think, how they played uh, not, not Mike, all these Russian names, Maritov, whatever his name was. Uh, that is kind of how they played him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, are I, you guys familiar with Alan Partridge, the two of you? A little bit. I like him. I, I like all, all Steve Coogan things, usually. Why are you asking? Dingus, I'm the one who told you about it. Why are you asking me if I'm familiar with Alan Partridge? Oh, that's right. You did tell me about that. that <laughs> Dingus, have you heard of the show Seinfeld? Have I told you about a show called Seinfeld? No, you told me about Friends because you loved it so much. Because <laughs> you're a big Ew. fan of uh, What made you think of, of Steve Coogan? Uh, well, no, because uh, I didn't remember this, but Ian Uchi was part of creating that show. Ah, okay. That makes, makes sense. sense. I mean, I could totally see that. Yeah. 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 And it and it's this element were, and there was something I was listening to uh, this this uh, like the difference between the British office and the um the US version of the office where uh where you have a character who is who's unlikable um and is pathetic but you're not trying to also make him likable which sort of straddles the fence which the american version is it has a really hard time with with steve carell but with the british version it doesn't have a hard time with that because they're not worried about that he's right. he's pathetic yeah. and you can sort of feel sorry for him but you don't you don't have to feel like you have to like him um and that's one of the things i loved about alan partridge uh and one of the things that i when I was thinking about uh, this movie um, and the differences between In the Loop, and I love the way that you brought up how uh, Peter Capaldi kind of hangs over that whole thing, and I forgot that I forgot sort of the way that stacked up. Um, it's interesting to watch the way that these characters are uh, amassed, and we're not asked to like any of them, I don't think. I don't think we're asked to like anybody in this movie. Yeah, there's no one here that's supposed to be sympathetic right. in the way. Maybe Svetlana, uh, but but there's certainly no one because there there are uh, like Ollie, like they're they're actual likable characters in Thick of It, uh, in the Loop, uh, Veep. Uh, well, actually, are there likable? Yeah, there's some likable people in Veep. In Veep, uh, yeah. Who? I feel bad for Gary. Uh, he should. Yeah. He, I he if he's staying with her voluntarily, I don't feel sorry for. Him. Uh, and he I enjoys it. I like Anna Chums, 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 Chums that the chick from uh, the what's her name Chlumsky Chlum, 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 Chlum,
Shlemsky, right? The chick from My Girl. Uh, she's likable, right? Even I mean, she's having a tough time of it. She can be bitchy, but I, she's likable, right? She's in Halt and Catch Fire, Tom. It's to their oh, right. yeah, okay. Yeah. Mackenzie Davis, I gotta watch that. And she yeah. sort of gets caught in the crossfire in uh, in the loop because uh, her paper gets pushed. Right, forward. right, right. Exactly, like exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, but there, there are other than Svetlana. Is there anybody here who's well? I no, guess but I don't need that. <laughs> yeah, but I get like Olga Kirilenko. Oh, oh. Like the the yeah, what yeah, we yeah. see is them sort of getting swept aside or crushed or uh, or, or disregarded, uh, or simply the victims of the other characters. Right, like these, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Well, I, um, I you I don't know if you were meaning to be dismissive of her or what. Uh, I don't think you were, Tom. But I really liked Olga Kirilenko in this. I thought she was really strong in this. I just did I, you not. Um, no, she's fine. I just, I, I, I. You've never I just, liked the Tom. It's. I just need a stronger actress to be with Tom Cruise in Oblivion. That's all I, I ask. That's all I ask. It's not a lot. She's. Just, you liked it when she said when he asked her if she was okay, and she said no. I know Dingus tried to reference that to you earlier, and you didn't get yeah. it. But yeah, I know. I, I love that. She's. She's great. Uh, yeah, but I've just seen her in, in so many horrible movies. Uh, you need an Emily Blunt in Oblivion, don't you? Oh, uh, that well, no. Whoa, that would be awesome, Dingus. But I just need her to swap roles with Andrea Riseborough. All I'd right, be fine. fair enough. <laughs> the other girl looks like Emily Blunt in Oblivion. Yeah, but I just that other girl her as a Russian woman in this movie, and I didn't necessarily. Yeah, I like it. And, and I don't know that you have to. Uh, this is again going back to that the way that the casting goes and the way that the accents go. Um, but I just believed her as a Russian woman in this. Because she's well, Russian. She's no Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, <laughs> well, no. it's Apple. Do I have to pick? Why is it <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. That was impressive. All right, so it give is- me uh, give me a couple of favorite lines. I I'm hugely fond of the uh, camel cock bit. I don't remember that one. That really reminds me of something from In the Loop. Yeah. The, that lubricated horse cock, the camel cock. Yeah. I really like. Oh, it. yeah, that one. Uh, I, I, really, I really loved the line, no, this is unauthorized narcissism, um, that Patty Considine's character says <laughs> when she's trying to pass the note. It, it just seems like such an odd objection. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Kelly, what's, give us a line. I mean, your your synopsis. I could just go back and listen to that again. Uh, I you shouldn't. Um, <laughs> but who would put a lamp on a chair? Really stuck with me. <laughs> like that's a sort of like. Did Ianucci write that, or did Andrea Rusborough just decide to say it? Just like, glance like, over and see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like where does that? Where does a moment like that come from? Yeah. Because nothing in this movie felt improvisational. I mean, it all felt very natural, and all the actors were great. But I never got the sense that anybody was like riffing or a loose cannon or anything. I don't even uh, remember a cutaway to the lamp. I just remember her saying it. I remember we, seeing it. And, you can and see I, the back of the yeah. chair and the lamp. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely there. But uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I have people in my. I I go to this uh, writing group uh, on Wednesdays, um, and I I put little things like that because I. I, I hear things that way. I love that that kind of a line. And most of the people in there are like, why didn't you say that? So I don't think most people hear things that way. But I just love that. I love that ear, that, that sense of 
who would put a lamp on a chair and then moving on? It's just like right. an aside. It's, it's, it, and this is another one of those little Shakespearean little things. Like it feels like it's just part of the flow of the conversation. It's rhythmically appropriate, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything. And, but if you look back on it, maybe it does mean something. It does have something to do with these weird things that are going on in the Soviet Union at the time. But, I just love that she said it, and she says it so naturally. It just feels like the natural flow of her conversation, and that's why I love that line so much. Well, how there's a reason. A plot at the same time, I like to. Wait, how could you what? Give it again. Give let's hear it again. How can you? How can you run and plot at the same yes. time? Yes, yes, very good. Uh, I right. thought of very uh, good, Aaron, very good. I, I thought of Aaron Sorkin uh, uh, walking and talking bits <laughs> in that during that. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Tom. That's great. How can you run and plot at the same time? Do you think? So, go ahead. Do you think Trump, if he watched this, would know it was a comedy, or would he just go, "That's weird. Russians have they have American accents too." Oh, like he'd be that stupid. That your Trump is worse than your walking, Kelly Wong. Yeah, I know. Really. <laughs> so and my I was just about to say something along those lines, and now I feel bad saying it because it's from our listener, Chris Markinson. Uh Chris said, uh, I had no idea this was going to be a comedy. Um, so I'm not trying to uh, – just Chris, I'm, I'm not trying to make an analogy between you and Trump. Just don't worry about that. Uh, but he says, what a wonderful surprise. There were several times I cracked up. I feel bad. Because the real-life person he's talking about, uh, Beria now, uh, was such a monster. But I keep going back to Beria and Simon Beale is the person who stole the show for me. Uh, the absolute ruthless, ruthlessness and ability to simply switch gears without any feelings of remorse or loyalty is incredible. Uh, and he says that he hopes that's something he's not able to do. But he didn't know he was going in to see a comedy. I didn't know that I was going to yeah. see something literally about the death of Stalin. I mean, I knew it was Armando yeah. Iannucci, so I thought it was going to be some modern political thing. I, I had no idea. It was literally about the death of Stalin. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like expecting... Last Days of Disco kind of title. Well, I thought right, it exactly, yeah. More like yeah. The, the interview, you know? I, I thought it was going to be something absurd like that. What's the interview? The Seth James Rogan. Franco going to oh god the North yeah. Korea thing yeah 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 exactly yeah 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 something that I thought it was just going to be some some yeah. sort of goofy romp like that I didn't realize it was going to be this actual treatment of a historical thing because I, I would guess there's a number of things that are um, historically incorrect and I don't really care there's about that yeah I looked uh, up. oh you did yeah well Molotov well apparently there was a year between when they between Baria's uh, kangaroo trial and his execution, like he was in jail. Oh, for, for no. that's so quite the creative, creative liberty. This idea that they just took him out and shot. They didn't even take him out. Like he was shot day. on the way being taken out. Okay, wow. Yeah. So that's a big change. Um, I mean, I'm okay with all that. I have no issue with that. Good. No, yeah. I do too. It's it also takes kind of- a lot longer to burn a body than that. That's what I thought as well. Bodies yeah. probably don't like. You need to incinerate a body to yeah. get a pile yeah. of ash. Yeah. yeah, but I don't care about the physics. They're hard of this. to incinerate. That's why we need to use those stupid. Things. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, they're easy that you to get rid of. You do them. I, I did find myself wondering, um, just because I know how in situations like this history gets recast. Was was Barry 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 Was he uh, like? Were details embellished about how horrible he was to uh, smear his memory? 
Like I, I don't know, but but like, <laughs> but 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 like what all this stuff about him uh, raping seven-year-old girls—that's the sort of thing that they would invent about someone they wanted to discredit. Uh, someone who yeah. fell out of grace, it would be part of a false narrative, and, and especially with a totalitarian regime, totalitarian regime based on misinformation, how much of these historical details, how many of them can you trust? Uh, here's here's one that's interesting. Uh-huh. I forgot. I just you just reminded me of uh, the guy that uh, she tries. She asked Baria to get out of the gulag for her, like her right. first love, Alexei. That guy in real life was alive, and he lived to like the seventies. So it's it was int- and then it's like, oh. would he lie about it? And he wouldn't have any reason to, because he would want to get him out for her at that point in the story. So well, the, well, the only thing I have to go on is is what again what Chris Markinson talked about, and he did do some research on, research on this beforehand, uh, and he refers to Barry as a monster. Um, oh, I don't doubt he, he is. Did, by the way, I'm just wondering sure, how, how much he, how much of it is embellishment. You have to be to survive. Uh, right. that. Well, he has uh, like Chris has folks from the Ukraine and whatnot, so I think he was motivated to to research some of this on his own, well previous to this. But I think that those types of things, the the murders and the rapes, I don't think they were embe- embellished. Uh, but that's just going off of what uh, what Chris has to say, to be honest. Well, it is. It, it there's a whole different, and and this is just a cultural thing but as long as he's just shooting people in the head i feel one way about him but once you find out that he's raping children suddenly like i it that's like a whole other level of 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 uncomfortableness and my you know i just so you think that might be just installed like his buttons oh i have no i no no i i don't know i just it just makes me wonder like is there is this stuff that the the committee invented about him afterwards to discredit him. Oh, How much did oh. they embellish it? How much did they play it up? Uh, did he really? Because in that, when Steve Buscemi is reading the document, it says something like, hey, "There's 74 women that you've raped." I, I don't doubt that he was a monster, and I have no problem imagining, yeah, he probably r- was a rapist as well. Uh, but that's the sort of thing that they would invent about someone to just make everyone hate him, so to make it easier. To, to wipe him from history and to discredit all of his uh, contributions. He was also not the only person to go on trial, but there were other people that were sentenced to death with him. Oh, of course. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, Malenkov didn't become the general secretary when Stalin died. Um, he became the premier, but the leadership was in flux, and uh, he wasn't like the leader, and he didn't chair that meeting at the Politburo uh, uh, Bashimi did Khrushchev. Well, and this yeah. movie's crap then. Oh my god. Yeah, forget it then. <laughs> I'm out. F that. Forget it. And Michael Palin's character at RL was uh, impassive and stern and not cowardly and emotional. The end. All right. What? Thank you. Thank you, Kelly Wan, for setting the historical record straight. A little history for you. <laughs> Pretty interesting. Uh, all right, uh, Death of Stalin, which is literally about the death of Stalin, uh, yep. and not ghost stories. So sorry if you thought you were uh, going to hear a ghost stories podcast. As you've probably figured out by now, that's not what you got. Uh, <laughs> what if they haven't figured it out? If they haven't, then they're going to get quite the surprise when they actually go see ghost stories. And they don't Those get any It could very well have been called ghost stories. See? Any movie that takes place that long ago could be Dingus. And and point. blockers. The happening. 
Grand Isle of Dogs in the incident. Oh, uh, dogs, you guys, I love dogs. Normally, we'll be doing a three by three next week, right, Kelly Wan? But there's some silly comic book thing we're going to watch instead. So, Kelly Wan, <laughs> I hope you're okay with us kicking the can down the road a little bit with your three by three. Uh, so, your three yeah. by three will be on. Make sure, listeners, you get to us your picks by midnight. May 6th. Kelly Wand, tell us what they should be sending in. Uh, yeah, your three uh, people, living or dead, you most want to watch a movie with, and which movie? All right, bam, that's succinct. That works for me. So send that in by uh, May 6th. If you go see uh, Marvel Infinity Wars Avengers, oh God, whatever that thing's called, uh, April 29th by midnight, drop us an email to 3x3 at quarter to three dot com. Let us know what you thought. You know you're going to see it. Uh, so just just type out a quick email. Tell us what was dumb about it, uh, and we'll we'll read that on the air. We'll we'll have make you part of the conversation. Oh! <laughs> so join us next week for Marvel Infinity Wars. I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Christian Maltovsky. It's Christian Morosky. and Kelly Wand. Karolinka's hair. Russia, uh, Stalin uh, born. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Oregai 6? Is that a question, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Ridley Scott's our Stalin, huh? Time for a superhero movie. Who's in my posse? Oh, yeah. What? <laughs>